Hi there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the No Small Stories podcast. This episode, we have Dina Trudy. Dina is an actress, director, producer, all around entertainment industry, jack of all trades. She's got a great backstory and very interesting things that she's working on. Can't wait for you to enjoy this conversation. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the No Small Stories podcast. Today, we have with us Dina Trudy. Hello. So happy to have you, actress and producer. And I would love for you to give whatever introduction to the audience you think is most appropriate for you. Thank you very much. Um, Yeah, actress, producer, uh, director, writer. Uh, and known for Token Choke Dispensary, which uh, I have checked out on YouTube. That's fun. And I know that you have uh, an upcoming right movie in post-production, a film version, correct? Yeah. Thank you for checking that out. I really appreciate that. Um, that little web series that I did there. Uh, I actually took a look back at that the other day. So it's funny you bring that up. Yeah, the film we did go ahead and um, I made a film, a feature film about... Uh, kind of, kind of about the show, not, not, not really, you know, it's, it's a different element, um, but we do have the same Ronnie, uh, okay. the owner of the dispensary in the film, <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah. Very fun. So that project that you have, I know is in post-production. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, you, you are doing more sort of independent, I guess you would say work, right. You know, you're sort of, in the trenches, if you will, right? You're, you're having to do the hard work, right? So can you talk a little bit about what that project was like for you to, you know, kind of from start to finish, put it together, get your crew together? You know, what was your process? Yeah, um, it's definitely a process. In the trenches is a good, um, you know, I guess way to say it. Because uh, you kind of are in the trenches in a way um, as an independent producer. So from start to finish, um well you know I don't want to bore anyone but from start to finish it's a it's a process um that kind of starts with an inception you know it's a creation of like a story okay so what you have is a story that you're producing for me for Token Choke Dispensary it was a film that um was a was an idea between me and my production partner um Shanna and together we we kind of came up with this idea of um basically a dispensary it was based on this this, this dispensary that already exists in mm-hmm. token choke world token choke dispensary and this place that um basically it gets robbed by the DEA and it's kind of a dirty deal with the DEA mm-hmm. um uh, not exactly robbed. Okay, they get taken. Their their stuff gets taken legally because of the fact that it's a marijuana dispensary. There's kind of a glitch in the in the system as far as the legality for it. So, uh, federal okay. agencies can come in and they can take the the money or the products that are in these dispensaries. So when I found out about that, I kind of incorporated it into the idea of the film. And then the film being also kind of like a love triangle with Ronnie, the main character and his and yeah. old friend from school. And, and you stuff have like to that. have, so, you have to have those like interpersonal, the, the small character stories, right. Or the individual character stories, I should say, along with like the overarching. So is there, sure. is this something that is just out of the, the fun of creating and, and the, the enjoyment aspect of it? Or do you have some, I don't know, I guess maybe you would say like a little bit of activism in terms of is is there any element of that in what you do sort of maybe bringing to people's attention the way that these uh, things kind of work? When I mean, when I put together the film, it, a lot of it has to do with, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a movie. So it's, you know, kind of over the top. It's over dramatized. Right. But yeah, I mean, bringing, bringing to the to the forefront, maybe like an abuse of power in a way, because we have a character that's uh, one of the lead head DEA agents and he's kind of mm-hmm. over the top, you know, so uh, Connor and, um, you know, so, yeah, I think definitely in the system, it, it there are people that abuse uh, power in all in all types of um, in all types of different different careers. But in this particular film, yes, mm-hmm. uh, we are showing that a lot of that. 
sure. very interesting but also having a good time right because you know oh yeah it's a fun it's a fun movie i mean that's what it's all about there's right. a lot of other elements to it but yeah that's the main focus for the movie I really, you know, comedy, I think, is one of the things that you can sort of tell any story through comedy, right? You can you can bring the, the drama and the sort of life lessons and you can play with societal over overarching themes and things like that. You know, comedy really can make anything approachable, I like to think. Yeah, like comedy lightens it up. I agree with you. Um, for me, with my production partner, she writes a lot of comedy and I write some comedy, but when I read you know, her initial draft for the script, I thought it was really hilarious, you know, just like mm -hmm. a lot of stuff in there. It's just like, you know, if, if it has me laughing, you know, then it's a good project to jump onto, you know. right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're putting across the message, but also definitely, yeah, really fun and, and kind of over the top comedy in, in this one. So I, I dig it. You know, sometimes you want a little bit of over the top. It's good to, you got to bring the fun in life, right? Mm -hmm. It's important. Yeah. So, what kind of things then would you say you are typically writing or, or think, or what might you be working on right now? Like what would you put in the realm of your style, your personal style? Yeah. So after basically, so, but just finishing on that one thought quickly with the production mm -hmm. after finishing like the, the script and getting that all done with the initial draft, we go through it and do a few drafts. So we're really happy with that final script. So we're ready to get it into process to shoot it. Mm -hmm. And then just quickly breaking down all the scenes so that we have all the scenes in the script broken down and we're ready to shoot that script based on a schedule that we have. So let's say there's, you know, 70 or 80 scenes in a script uh, and maybe 10 of those scenes are, I don't know, at a school and 10 of those scenes are, you know, at a house, you want to schedule it out. So you're doing all of that first, those house scenes and the school scenes, depending on availability, et cetera. So are you, um, I guess how, how, how one woman show is it, I guess, or how, you know, you're a smaller when you're a project where you're getting these things off the ground yourself. Right. So you're playing multiple roles. Right. So like you're having That's to right. do scheduling and finding the locations and, you know, having to get set up and, and make sure everyone is in the right place at the right time. Yep. That's a really good point. And that's exactly what I would do. I would go and meet personally with people that had locations that I thought were going to be appropriate for different scenes and, and check out their locations. And then basically kind of have to beg them to use that location because I'm on yeah. such a low budget. So, mm -hmm. but at that point, uh, get those days locked in and hope that the cast and the crew are available on those days to shoot those scenes. So yes, I do have to put all, all that together. And first I do hire on all the crew, like you're talking about, hire mm -hmm. on all the crew. It's kind of an extensive casting process. Since it's independent, I don't have as much help from, you know, larger casting agencies. So I have to directly approach those casting agencies. And I'm kind of familiar with, mm -hmm. um, because I've been an actor in the industry for about 15 years like actors right. access casting you know networks that kind of thing for, so you for, you know it's been it's good probably for you to have seen it from the actor's perspective so you kind of know how to approach you know people for casting when you're coming at it from a director producer perspective I think so I think so it makes it a lot easier for me to work with the actors I feel like you know uh, mm -hmm. it's kind of a harm harmonic situation on set and uh that's what it's all about yeah definitely the connection and the trust um on set so very cool i love it so are are you also editing and doing all the post-production or do you have a team for that you know is that i get and that's Good yeah, because yeah, so, the post-production is, is really just as big anymore as the actual production element. Right. Yeah. Post-production is a huge part of this. And, um, you know, with the pandemic and the shutdown and the time that people were really spending more at home, it was a lot of remote post-production. And with my lack of financing, mm -hmm. yes, I did initially work with an independent um, like editor uh, mm -hmm. that I was working with um, for the film. So we did that for about nine months or so. And I cut together the whole movie. I actually, I started working on, a, on um, you know, most people work with editing, they work in Premiere or like Final Cut Pro, if you know, if you know, oh, editing yeah. softwares. Mm -hmm. I taught, taught myself in DaVinci Resolve because I thought I was going to be working more 
forth and the color um, with the film. But, you know, DaVinci Resolve for me was a comfortable program. So I work a lot in that program mm -hmm. now. And now um, moving forward, though, I am working with an editor. Yeah, finalizing the film. So I got very lucky and I'm extremely grateful for all the help I've gotten. Uh, I got an, um, an editor that was just a really great guy and just a phenomenal editor to do a promo for us for the movie, um, mm -hmm. maybe like. I don't know, four or five months ago. And okay. that's online right now. That's the most recent mm -hmm. promo for the film and the actual, but the movie is being edited by someone different um, right now. And so that's, it's, it's coming to kind of a final, final product at this point. So I'm very excited. Uh, no, that, I'm sure it's really exciting when you've been sort of watching the process, right. And, and things continue to unfold. It's like, once you're getting to the point where it's sort of ready to be a finished product, I'm sure it's like, Christmas coming right ready to open that present yeah. and just see the final the final product it's a very strange feeling indeed um just because you know it's like I did produce a couple of other things like you talked about I did the web series which was four episodes of a web series that I did on I had like almost no money to do that mm -hmm. but um with my production partner she, we, she had written the four um episodes and then I produced indirect directed them she produced them with me and so we did that on like a 10-day shooting schedule for four episodes and that was obviously very difficult and then I mm -hmm. did do some test shooting and uh, shot about 70% of another feature too called Ganked um, that I'll, I might go back to at some point in the, in the future. Okay very interesting I so it sounds to me like you kind of keep a lot of irons in the fire all the time right <laughs> is that accurate yeah. to say? I would say I like to stay busy. Um, but recently, you know, it's been kind of like a slowdown for the past, you know, couple of years, really. And with things picking up in 2024, I know it's going to be busy, but it's like um, I've had a long enough break to where I, I don't even want to, you know, like take much more of a break. Ready to throw yourself in feet first, right? I'm ready to jump in the water. I'm ready to jump off the cliff or whatever. Right. I'm with it. I dig it. So cool. So then you did say that you, we were talking about how you do write a little bit too. Um, so, you know, talk maybe about your style and I would like to get, uh, you know, you do have an interesting uh, backstory, you know, a personal life story and I would love to get um, so I'm sure some of your style, you're writing like any creator, right? It comes from our personal experience. It comes from, you know, the things we've, we've been through in life and, and how do you sort of channel that into something creative? Do you see that in, in your own writing style? So, you know, your personal story and how that translates into your creativity. Yeah. Uh, I think that my background definitely has an impact on my writing style. I started writing when I was a kid um, you know, just stories like short stories or like poems and like little stuff when I was a, a kid. Yeah. But then like growing up as a teenager, I think that, yeah, I got, I basically what happened was, um, I got in trouble when I was a kid. So I got arrested when I was pretty young, like 13 years old. And then as a teenager in these different places that I, you know, spent a lot of time in like juvenile facilities, I did a lot of writing, um, creative writing, mostly stories that I kind of was just coming up with over spending like long periods of time by myself and also mm -hmm. going through just like, just kind of like unusual circumstances, I guess you would say over a period of years. So yeah, it, 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 um, it created who, who I am today, my writing style and, and what I'm putting, putting across on the screen moving forward with my, with my projects. So what would you, so how would you maybe define your personal style or what sort of, I don't know, I guess, is, is there an energy I would say, you know, to the work that you do, or is there something that you are moving towards in, in the, the projects you work on? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, with every project, it is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of moving forward with the first one, I am really focusing on having, um, you know, looking at a result of, of something that I'm really, really happy with um, here in the post-production process. So it's, it's 
focusing on, on one thing at a time, but yes, I do. I do have kind of a, a future vision for myself as a filmmaker and, you know, as a creator, as an actor, um, in this, in this, in this realm. Uh, yeah, it is an energy, um, that, you know, kind of transpires through, uh, through the work, through the writing and then, and then through the film, um, it's hard to explain that energy because I, I kind of think that words don't really do it justice. It's more of a, a feeling mm-hmm. that you get really when you when you look at it. And that's really what inspired me to film in the first place is really the feeling. I mean, sure, it's of course, it's words, it's dialogue, you know, between between characters. But but it's 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 feelings that come through. It's you know, it's just something special that that really you're you're trying to, to bring across to the world. So that's that's what I'm trying to do with with, with what I'm bringing. I really I love that because that's kind of, that's where you know something I do like abstract art you know it's one of the other things that I do and I mm-hmm. I'm with you on that where it's like I you feel like what works is the energy that you put into it right like it's not necessarily maybe what I do doesn't look like you know a vase full of flowers right because it's more abstract but it's it, it's communicating an energy to your audience right and I think that if you really tap into that energy that you that you feel is really resonates with you and you use that to create like you're you're going to put an energy into it that will draw in an audience that is your audience. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the things we talk about uh, on the podcast a lot is sort of that what that challenge is sometimes of like building your audience and building sort of a following and, and getting attention to your work. Right. But I think that maybe a little bit and I, you know, speak to this if you agree with it or not, but I do think that sometimes just doing the project, doing the work, creating the whatever it is that you're creating, if you put like yourself and your energy into it, the right people are going to be drawn to it. Right. Yeah, I agree. That's totally true. Um, With my project token choke dispensary, of course, you're going to immediately think that the right people that would be involved that would try and get involved are going to be all all, uh, people that smoke weed. Yeah, because all right, token choke dispensary. But I wouldn't really say that's the case. I mean, yeah, a lot of the people that were involved are, you know, weed smokers. I just call it what it is. Yeah, but um, but not everyone. And, you know, the movie, uh, a lot of like, there will be people that'll ask me like, oh, token choke dispensary. So you're making kind of like a Cheech and Chong type movie. Right. No, I did not make a Cheech and Chong type movie. I can't compare it to anything really that I've seen um, out there. Not because I tried to do something completely different. I mean, I don't want, I'm not trying to do something that's already out there either way, but it, you, it's not comparable to something that's already been like made because the movie doesn't focus just on weed, even though right. it's, it's, it's more of a, would you say in the environment that it's in, then it's so yeah. not, not the Cheech and Chong sort of themed movie, right. Where it's like, just what you would just maybe say, just stoner movie. Right. But yeah, it's not just like, yeah, no, there really is like a story going on. There's like right. there's a story that goes on. We follow a storyline with the characters, not that you don't in Cheech and Chong, but I'm saying that they, you know, but it's it, not just, we're not smoking weed for sure. Uh, you know, Right. There's a message. You yeah. know, I like, I like that concept because I like the idea of a, an environment that might be considered controversial, right? Obviously it's not legal everywhere. And, and some people are going to be touchy about it. You know, there are people who would maybe see that and just automatically reject it or avoid it because they assume that that's all there is to it. Right. But to create something in an environment where that environment is not the focus, I like that juxtaposition. I like that um, sort of normalizing it a little bit. Right. Making it less of a big deal than it might otherwise be by making it secondary. Right. That's, that's a very good point and super interesting. And I really like the way you put that um, and agree with it too. Uh, And yes, like, especially for people like my mom and dad, like let's, I'm going to use them as an example. No, 
Yeah. So they don't, you know, smoke weed. My mom now she's had a couple of surgeries, like surgeries on her back and she's mm-hmm. taken pain medication in the past. So she's tried it because it's been prescribed by, you know, a doctor for her to try that. And mm-hmm. she thinks that it helps her. It's not something that she does often, but she does, you know, admit that it does help when she does try it. My dad, maybe he smoked some weed like in the sixties, but he's not smoking weed now that I know of. Um, But I think that, you know, it's like the movie would appeal to my parents based on like some other context of the film, you know? So it's like, like, oh, well, it's a show dispensary. We're not that interested in watching a movie about, about weed. Right. But, you know, draw that, draw an audience in that like, Hey, there's things here that are unexpected. And I, I love that. I think that's great too, because so, you know, I'm from South Dakota. It's a conservative state. I would definitely say, you know, a touchy subject here kind of thing, but we touch on, um, also, uh, Ronnie, the main character, his mother is like in a nursing facility. And, you know, we touch on that just a little bit because I think it's something that there's a lot of just, uh, issues that are just have gone on, I don't know, over the past few years with like older people, like especially after the pandemic. And mm-hmm. just like, you know, so there's a little bit touching on that too, and just various things too at the beginning of the movie, like younger Ronnie, like how we show in the trailer, we show Ronnie when he's a kid before he actually, you know, becomes a dispensary owner. He's kind of like a stoner kid. And Moby, his friend who who runs the dispensary with him, is yeah. kind of like bullied. He's kind of like bullied, you know, he's not the cool kid or whatever so Mm -hmm. um so we touch on you know it's like bullying when I was a kid you know growing up I dealt with that a little bit because I moved around a lot when I was a kid so even though I'm a girl I still dealt with like a lot of bullying I don't Mm -hmm. know why oh girls can be just as mean as boys yeah yeah so you know you know how it is it's like so I mean when you're seven eight nine this is like third and fourth grade well, and yeah, it's um, it is interesting, though, just to have, again, that those different themes put together, because isn't that kind of, you know, how life is, right? Like, it's not all one thing. You, you can't just look at don't judge a book by its cover, right? It's it's a cliche for a reason. Don't just look at this and see one element like we deal with a lot of different elements in the narrative. And, you know, there's. There's there's more to what you're working on or what the message that you're putting out or the story that you're telling than just the environment that it's in. It's a part of it, right? But I do lo- I love that. I just sort of like that mixed salad bowl of all those interesting things that you put together. Yeah, there's some elements in there. And and you mentioned the other things I'm writing, so I am working on some other stuff too. The film that um, I wrote, Vulture Canyon, Vulture Canyon, that one I'm going to produce later on, which is inspired by some things in my own life. And that's based on like an all um, girls juvenile prison. So it's based on like not a juvenile hall type movie. It's mm-hmm. basically if you, okay, so this happened to me. So I got arrested a couple of times when I was a kid and went to the juvenile hall in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Um, and in Arizona, after you go to the juvenile hall, maybe like first, you know, seven, eight times you get committed to a, uh, like a, a prison, you get a commitment time. It could be three months, six months and this you're under 18. So it's for children under 18. So you can be any age. It could be, I mean, the youngest, kid there that I saw when I was there maybe was about 10 or 11 so maybe between the ages of 11 and 17 once you're 18 you're considered an adult in the state of Arizona so I wrote a a script about about that it's kind of like a like not exactly just a drama it's more like a drama thriller um okay yeah that's very I mean that's interesting too though that you can be you know again, looking at things through the lens of a different genres, like you can do a like token choke dispensary that has the comedy element, but then you can go to that flip side to the, I guess, I don't know if you want to say ugliness, but the horror side, the thriller side, the drama side. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I, I wonder if, you know, this is based on personal experience, but definitely like even just listening to it has to be a powerful story. And you, cause you think about, 
it's kind of a, a, a circumstance that society or the public doesn't want to look at, right? The idea that there are these places and like for kids and it's like, shouldn't, shouldn't kids be having fun? Like, and, and enjoying themselves like shouldn't kids always be in a space where whatever had happened to get you to that place was it's like it's not your fault right I, I wonder yeah, okay. do you ever have a feeling of I don't want to say gratitude necessarily but that if you had not experienced what you experienced and seen what that was as unpleasant as it might have been that you might not have been able to come to this place of being a creative person who could write a story about it and present that story to the world. Absolutely. I mean, there would be no way uh, that I would be able to write this story and present it to the world if it had not happened in my life. Um, and, you know, it's uh, kind of like, um, sure, I think that different forms of, of treatment can be done to help kids it wasn't that I did nothing at all. I did commit crimes to get arrested. And that's why I went to these, uh, to, you know, to jail as a kid. Um, but um, yeah, I think that the, I think that there could obviously be better ways to, um, to help children, um, you know, that need help it, you know, in that way. Right. That to see it as, children being in a space of needing help and not looking at it as oh you're bad because you committed a crime or what you know I mean right. how much how much can you really recognize the consequences of your act when you're that young I mean some a, a child that would be 10 like yeah I mean I how, agree with you how much can you really understand what a crime is Sure. I agree with you. And I think it's like, um, with the, with human development, it's been, and I'm, you know, and I, I'm not a doctor, but just, uh, from what I re recall, pretty sure that your brain is still developing over those, uh, you know, adolescent years. So, you know, as the brain is developing, like I said, we do touch on things and that I touch on things in that film that, um, like solitary confinement, um, and, you know, uh, full body restraints, you know, used on, on me. That's and that kind awful. Of so, but, you know, and it's not something that I'm looking for, uh, some kind of sympathy about. I'm just letting you know what's in the movie. Um, well, but in the mo it, it's, um, I mean, definitely amazing that you share it and that you are, you. that you're willing to tell that story because I'm, you know, obviously it must be difficult emotionally to, you know, even just to write it, but, you know, again, what it's a story that should be told, right. You know, I mean, it's one of those, like people should recognize and be able to understand sort of the, the other side of the coin, right. Like you might look at someone like I, I have feel like, or have a sense that, you know, kids who go to places like that are judged as sort of being a lost cause being bad, you know, being without direction or you can't fix them sort of thing you know but like look at you you've taken it and you're going to a creative place with it and you've become a creative person and and you use you know you were able to channel where you were and whatever whatever the difficult things were that brought you to that place into something positive you know what a great just a, a great example for for anyone who could look at that and say you know, I come from a story like that, but look at what she's done. Right. You know, I think that just that you're willing to put that story out there and, and be that example to anyone who might see it and see themselves in it. I think that's really great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I really do. And yes, it was hard for me to write the story. Um, it wasn't something that I did, you know, like immediately or anything like oh, that. Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm sure lots of time has to go by to make it okay to visit that and, and create yeah. the story for sure. Yeah. It wasn't something I planned on. Also, I didn't plan on producing anything at all to be totally upfront with everyone here um, who sees this. Mm. I was just, I only planned on acting really in my life 
Um, I got a business degree when I got out of this facility when I was 18 and I was just acting. I really did. I love acting. I've been acting and writing since I was, you know, young, but as far as producing, I didn't think about it until about 10 years ago in 2013 when I did the web series. And that's when I really decided that I should, you know, like make the stories into actual screenplays. I did have Vulture Canyon, um, but just not like polished up. Then I wrote seven, eight drafts, you know, really mm-hmm. kind of getting the script where I want it to be. So yeah, when I eventually produced that one and I, and as far as the change in genre and kind of jump, it's like um, Token Choke is definitely kind of like a crime movie too. We've definitely got some gritty stuff going on, even though it's comedy. And the mm-hmm. movie that I have not put out yet, Ganked is about two girls that rob a drug dealer. So um, the niche, it follows in a way but like I think when you see the films it's kind of like you'll be able to recognize that it's one of my films based on the style um so when the first one comes out I guess we'll all see together and then I can kind of get everyone's opinion on you know how they feel about it moving forward with my other with my other projects too I love it I can't wait to see it I think it's gonna be great I I do um so what what really does inspire you to I don't know, I guess, keep at it as it were, you know, obviously we live in a world that doesn't always necessarily value creativity. We're certainly getting better post pandemic, right? People like being locked in the lockdown had to, had to get creative, right. Or had to use their creative talents that maybe they weren't before. So, you know, I think people have started to recognize the, the value in creativity and the value in this, you know, putting your content, your stories, your films, your whatever it is out there. Um, what What is it that, you know, through all of this, since you were acting pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, what keeps you hungry for it? I guess you would say, what inspires you to keep going? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's weird because sometimes, really, I even ask myself the same question. And I literally- <laughs> Why do I keep going? Stop. I can't stop. That's why I can't stop creating. So basically what's going on is I just keep creating more and more because I literally cannot stop. So (laughs) so it's like, yeah, so that's, I mean, and at this point it's like, and I've also created some things like, okay, yeah, production was put down that there's been an actor strike there's been all kinds of things mm-hmm. going on but it's kind of like working through those things and doing things in my own way in order to move forward so thinking outside of that box and how do I move forward so um I am <laughs> I am constantly there is something inside of me that drives me maybe you would call that an energy too um, something for sure. inside of me drives me for sure to keep going. So I do that. Um, and yes, I have had sure a lot of people, especially people, even in my own family that think I'm crazy, right? There's not people right. in my family or in the industry or artists or creating anything. They're more, I'm not putting them that, that type of lifestyle down. Right. At, mm-hmm. But I'm just being an artist is different than other careers. You don't really understand it. I guess you don't understand people might like my, my mom or my dad might say, I'm not saying they're saying it now, but like, what are you doing exactly? What is it that you do? Right. Right. That's it. So I've gotten that a lot. Yeah. I felt pretty, pretty badly. Like I've not really actually, you know, done, done enough because, you know, creation is something that's just not understood and understood that, you know, by, I think that is very true. And that's something that we do kind of talk about too, um, as uh, on the podcast, you know, the, it's a path less traveled when you decide to go the creative route, you know, so there's, there's not always a lot of support for what you're trying to do from the people around you. Right. Because they just, you're, you're right. They just don't get it when it comes to creativity, that there is a spark in you that drives you forward and you can't really explain it or define it. You just know that this is what, this is who you are. You are a creator and you have to go out and you have to create. And, and not everyone necessarily is able to accept that. Right. And so what we do talk about the value of sort of building a creative community, right? You know, doing things like podcasts, meeting people, you know, networking, the value of just meeting like-minded people. 
and and because you never know who you're going to meet that's going to be like the next key to a project the next person that you're going to collaborate with um so can you talk a little bit about that you know what what has it been like for you in your building of a creative community and and plugging yourself into you know the part the parts of society i guess you will or or you know the little places where you you do fit in and where you are accepted and where this creativity is something that is not just supported but that others are excited about oh yeah definitely and it's like um uh finding that place where uh there are other like-minded creatives so of course for me okay for me when i was a kid it started with theater and getting involved in theater but then when i moved my family we moved from new jersey to arizona when i was like i don't know 12 years old that's when i got arrested when i was like 13 my mom and dad divorced i was going i was involved in theater i felt like theater was the place where like-minded like kids were you know Mm -hmm. and like i told you i don't know like at school i didn't have that many friends but then when i started getting in trouble and you know whatever i had friends but they weren't really like friends friends so i wanted to be okay so after the whole thing ended and i getting involved with the community networking once I got out of this facility to read, like when I realized I wanted to keep acting and like get involved, like find out like independent productions. Maybe I can do a short film. Maybe I can. So I mm-hmm. got involved with the independent um, film community in Arizona and just like started meeting people and hanging out with like independent, like directors, producers, and like, see like who's mm-hmm. doing what film, what can I audition for? So I worked for like no money, little to no money to make like short films that like I could act in and learn. And then just moving forward, what eventually I saved up some money with my production partner, Shanna moved out to Los Angeles. It's like a six hour drive from Arizona. We took everything out there to LA. I got cast in a little independent film called chihuahua the movie not the beverly hills chihuahua not the big one with reese the the littler one no i did see the trailer for that one though and it did look quite cute thank you yeah it did get seen by a lot of people there were kids that told me they really liked it and i'm you know proud of myself because you know i didn't pay a lot but i was in it it was on amazon i think it was um it streamed you know probably Mm -hmm. i don't know it streamed in a lot of countries so that was cool I did a couple other movies for Netflix Amazon I was also on some big sets where I networked like when I went on on Thor I was on Thor for yeah. four days which was awesome and I met Anthony Hopkins um which was just so cool to be able to very watch cool. him and just but like networking meeting people along the way just various you know people involved in the camera departments different mm-hmm. actors anytime i find a like-minded individual we have good conversation i connect and i kind of try and keep that that connection for the future so mm-hmm. and absolutely and and it's you know so uh, another person we need to talk to is a voice actor bz cullens uh bz the voice and he kind of said the same thing that when he's on a set it's not just about the big names. You 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 want to meet them, sure, and say hello, hi, hello, introduce yourself, but get to know the crew, get to know the other people that are doing the things that you're doing, get to know the people that have things to talk about that, you know, if you're a director, producer, you want to talk to the people who are the camera people, you want to talk to the people who are doing the sound, you want to, you know, so building, building a network really, you know, it's seeing the value in the pieces that everyone does right like not just the thing like not just the face of things but the value of of everyone who's a part of of the production you know and when you're putting it together yourself obviously you understand that there's a lot of moving parts that not everyone necessarily thinks about yeah uh moving parts is a good uh thing too i was just talking about that the other day it's moving parts it's all with the production it has to move all smoothly kind of like a, i talk about like a car a well-oiled machine mm-hmm. moving smoothly and everyone on the crew working together in a team so bringing everyone onto the team for me i like to do a crew meeting when i first start out get everybody you know to meet each other and see how everyone's getting along together if there's any problems you know it's kind of like a chain of command on an independent set because yeah you almost have to be like mom and director right like yeah make sure the kids are all getting along 
Yeah, you have to make sure everyone's getting along. I usually tell people like, you know, come to me if there's a problem. And my first assistant director will say, no, no, don't go to her because she's the director and she's trying to think, you know, come to me to chain of command. But I'm like, no, no, if there's like a real issue, you have something to say, come directly to me. I always say that. I always want people to feel comfortable that they, no matter, even if I am the director, I'm on the set, I look busy, but there's something pertinent if there's something pertinent now, if mm-hmm. you're asking some, some bullshit, if you're asking some trash, but if it's okay. serious, yeah, I do. I always have time for everyone. There's no one that's like less than someone else. We need the entire machine to make the car run just like anything else. So it's just, yeah, it's that well-oiled machine, you know, working together for that. Yeah. final point. Absolutely. It's I, I wonder if you can like talk a little bit then too about so just kind of the idea of like being the mom of the set right I I don't know and maybe you've seen sort of a shift since you've been in the industry you know since a young age have you seen a shift or do you see sort of improvement being a woman in the industry um sort of how you're treated how you're seen um you know how people work with you Sure. Uh, I mean, I think the way, the way I think about it, when I think about a mom, I mean, I'm not a mom myself. I don't have any kids. My mom always like tried to keep me in line the best that she could. My mom and dad divorced when I was 12. So it was my mom by herself with me and my two brothers. So Mm -hmm. as far as being a mom, I don't, I don't really necessarily look at myself as a mom just because I'm not one on the set. I don't, I don't necessarily look at the crew as kids. I look at them as employees on a set and, and, and part of a team. We're all part of a team and we're there to get a mission done. It's almost too like I compare it with the team, with the crew, not necessarily with the cast. And even though we all come together in the creation at the end of this product, with the crew uh, moving really like like a military unit as one unit so that we can make sure that we accomplish the mission and the time that we have allotted. With an independent feature, you only have so much time. So for me to sit around and maybe think about, oh, well, these are my kids. Let me babysit them. I don't have time to do any of that. Like I mentioned before, I'm not a mother. Um, when I think about my own my own mother, she didn't have time for any of that either. If I caused a problem, she let me know. And we know how that was dealt with. You know, it was dealt with by the law um, in Arizona that came in and, and kind of and kind of took control of me at that point. So when I get on a set, I think of it as uh, we come together as a team. We're going to handle it as a team with the cast. It's a kind of a different harmony kind of situation where I have to work a lot one-on-one with each cast member with the character and you know it's just the whole you know it's and rehearsing and it's that's the it's there's a lot of fun involved with that for me and Mm -hmm. it's fun and so there's just so many elements for for making an independent film that you know I could go on and on about it uh for hours but when I think about the word mom in association with me on a set it just doesn't it would not make sense to anyone you talk to that's dealt with me. And it doesn't make sense to me. It's interesting though, you know, so there's sort of a, and I don't know, you know, maybe this is just an old paradigm, but like a a sort of classic idea of like women being viewed a certain way and maybe not being as respected in the positions that you are taking up, right. Being a director, being a producer, taking charge, being the leader of a team. Right. So, but it's, it's a little interesting to me because I I think I'm a little bit similar in that, like, if you don't have that sort of like relationship growing up where there's like that motherly figure, that's more motherly than authority figure, like you don't see yourself in that sort of way. And so people just don't see you in that way because it's not how you present. Right. So I, I think that that's interesting. Like that's a, I, I, you know, that maybe there's a misconception of the way that women are viewed partially because there's this definition that we all have thought for so long we had to have of ourselves, right. As women. But if you see yourself as just, as just being the leader of this project, yeah, the, I mean, the I gender element doesn't have to be a part of it. 
That's totally correct. The gender element does not have to be a part of it. Of course, I'm a woman, Mm -hmm. um, but taking it from like the perspective of, am I going to handle it different than a man would in this particular situation? I don't know for sure. All I can tell you is how I did handle it and how I personally think about it. Mm -hmm. And no, I don't think about it like a gender thing or anything like that. That's just the way I am. Um, you know, I mean, what can I no, say? I, I think that's really great, though, that it's, you know, it's something that, well, it doesn't come into play for me because it's not something that comes into play in my own mind. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. just that um, sort of that angle that I think for creatives, sometimes we can be a little bit overthinkers. Right. We can sometimes delve too much into elements of things that aren't necessarily Like we don't have to be thinking about those things. You don't have to think about all the, just because everyone else is having the conversation about, you know, how genders interact or are treated in the industry doesn't mean that you have to operate from a place of that being true for you. Be who you are, be the you that, that you are called to be right. Cause that's what keeps you going and creating. And it's not an issue because you're not looking at it. No, I'm not. And, you know, it's something that's, uh, if it comes up, I mean, things like this, of course, okay, being um, a female in the industry, the way I look, people, you know, I mean, I know how I am in the industry, who I am and what what I am and what what Mm -hmm. I'm doing. But in general, okay, if something like comes up, I just kind of deal with things the way I deal with things. Of course, as a female in the industry, I've dealt with all kinds of different people all kinds of different um, opinions, thoughts, and and comments. Um, But I've had overall good, good um, feedback from what I'm, what I've done and what I'm doing. So I feel, I feel positive about it. And uh, I'm just trying to be who I am and bring forth, you know, what I want to, you know, here in this lifetime, you know, what you want to create. It's not right. None of the other chatter in the background matters, right? The peanut gallery can go on doing whatever they do as long as you like, I have my path. I have my mission. I'm on it. That's right. They can F off. That's right. A hundred percent. No, I love it. I think that's great. And I really love, I do love that energy because I think that that is for creative people where we need to put our focus, that it's not about the chatter. It's not about the noise. It's about just keep creating, keep doing, keep following that thing. And, you know, it's bound to work out for you somehow, some way, because you're just being you. Thank you very much for you too, as an artist. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, cause I really do. I agree with that energy and I appreciate that perspective because, uh, you know, I think that that kind of energy and that perspective is where we all need to be heading, not just in the entertainment and creative industry, but, but, just across the board, just t- to learn to be yourself and not be so concerned with all the rest of it that's out there. Because if it doesn't, if it's not you and what you need to be doing, don't worry about it. That's exactly true. And then coming up into 2024, which is what we're about to come into, you know, uh, we're probably right in the same age range, like moving yeah. into this 2024 boom. It's like, this is, uh, yeah, it's an, it's like, all right. It's like, uh, Gen Z. What is that? I, you know, I think technically we're millennials or whatever, but yeah, I, millennial. Yeah, millennial. Yeah. Okay. So we're millennials and like we, so we got the millennials, the Gen Z and the Gen X. Is it the Gen X? I'm not sure. I, all right. Well, I, we got the three. All right. Moving in to 2024, it's this whole new group of people and, um, you know, new innovative ideas new innovative ways to make projects and i'm not going to go on a tangent about this but moving no it's it's definitely uh i you know i'll have to have you on for another of my podcasts because it's a this is definitely a conversation that i really enjoy also is you know the, the kids that are coming up now like you're saying like this whole new next generation that's coming up now yeah the the jobs they're going to have don't exist yet Exactly. Like, exactly. And the people who do know the few things about no, like, I don't know. And, and the platforms that they're going to create on, right? Like it's going to be a whole new world. Look at it, the things that have changed over the course of our lifetime, just looking at like the internet and YouTube and the access that you have to creating things and putting your stuff out there. 
you know, the generations coming up are only going to make it that much easier and only going to create things that facilitate more of that creativity, more of that, you know, ability to be independent and put your yourself out there, whatever your creativity or your thing is, you know, so totally. very exciting just to just to think about what's coming. Yeah, to- I agree with that. And just like, yeah, I mean, just self self producing like just with content tiktok i know what you're saying stuff like that and you know like it's just totally blown up and i think mm-hmm. it's awesome too to be able to like see like you know just creations that are just like whoa you're like where did this come from and how did i find it so you're finding right. talent that's totally undiscovered and um you know just cool ways to be able to do that now yeah moving forward like stuff that we're not we're not going to believe but yeah the platforms but are it's cute. absolutely coming and it's going to be it's totally. going to be wild right it's it's it is it's going to be it's going to be wild but it's going to be awesome and it's just like moving forward into that you know that next phase so that's what's going on you know and like we're ready for it the millennials and all i'm, and all, I'm all with all. you we're ready for it we're ready to right. see the next big shift and the next big change whatever that is i really i do appreciate that i appreciate your positive energy on that because i know that yeah. we all know that's not always the line that we get told right the more positive hopeful outlook and and i right. really that's where i try to live that's the space that i want to you know come from in all my projects so i really appreciate just that you know looking forward, always looking ahead to the next thing, right? Always having that positive mindset for something good is coming next, right? That's right. Yeah. Looking forward, constantly looking forward and something good is coming next. Mm -hmm. So uh, just kind of looking, uh, looking at that and visualizing that next thing, you know, it's exciting. Uh, You know, it's a lot of work. So, you know, stress comes into play, but yeah, it is very exciting. You know, it's very exciting. And we're coming here to the new year. I keep talking about that because I just know that 2024 is a really, is a really great one, you know, moving, moving into it here. So Uh, because we're here and we're ready for it, right? We're ready yeah. for the next big things to pop. And so do tell before before we wrap up here, do tell everyone where can people find you, find your projects and what do you have coming up? So plug all your stuff. Okay. And thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much talk. for being here. This yeah, is, thank I, you. You're going to have to come back for, for another of my podcasts because I feel like we could just keep rolling on so many things. Yeah. I know we had a good talk. Um, well, on Instagram, just Dina Trudy. So D-E-E-N-A-T-R-U-D-Y. Dina Trudy on Instagram, on social media, like on Twitter um, mm-hmm. and, you know, anywhere, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, not Facebook. Let's see where else. Token Choke, probably on Twitter. You do Token Choke on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, tokenchoke.com, um, stuff like that. So and you know, like we'll put all your links in the description below too, and make sure cool. that people can go click on them, find you and check out what you're working on. And again, so, so appreciate you being here. Love your story. I love that you can keep that positive outlook that, you know, that you can keep creating and that you're willing to put out the tough stories, for, you know, from your youth to, to be again, that example of doesn't really matter where you start. And that's kind of the point of our of this podcast that we did, you know, there are no small stories, right? Everything can turn into something amazing if you allow it. It's true. I love it. Well, thank you so, so much, Dina Trudy. Thank you. thank you for being here. It's been great. And we can't wait to see when Token Choke comes out and do keep us uh, up to date too. So we can share when you have your other projects out. Will do. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi again, friends. That was my conversation with Dina Trudy. Do check out all of her links below and be on the lookout for her token choke feature film that is in post-production currently. If you'd like to support more of the No Small Stories podcast, you can subscribe to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash no small stories. And of course, you can like, comment, share, and leave a review wherever it is that you happen to be listening to this podcast. All those good things that listeners and viewers can do. We thank you so much again for tuning in. And until next time, friends, wherever you are out there, I hope you're doing well.